1: Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states your rate could increase with high-risk driving, generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates in Northbrook, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. What's the goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric? And as you probably know by now, well, who's your hysterics. Who's your hysterics. Hoosier hysterics.
2: Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Look. What? Before we get started on everything we have to talk about, which some really good stuff, personal good news and basketball yeah it's no secret i'm jewish what we've yeah we've talked about it we've talked about my daughter's bat mitzvah we've made jokes if you're a jewish person or any person of the world right now it's hard to ignore what's going on in israel over the last 48 hours and i thought a lot about like do we even talk about it like we're kind of an escape, right? That's what we do. We're just basketball and football and Indiana and women's sports. And it's our respite from the world at large. And it's meaningful because we're a community of people that, that cares about the same thing. And we find great joy in it and great despair at times. Yeah. Sometimes we need a respite from this. Sure. Um, But in the end, it lives kind of outside of the world of the real stuff going on, like taking care of your family and paying the bills and sickness and war, you know, and, and there's been plenty of social stuff that's gone on since we started this podcast, and we've largely stayed away from that stuff. And and I don't want to change that because I'm Jewish and, and because this is happening, but it just feels like... I had to acknowledge it in some way. It's I don't I look I I like to think that I'm pretty good with words and I don't have the words for this. Um, It feels very similar to 9-11 for me. I remember that feeling and just being like, is the world falling apart? Like, that's what it felt like a little bit. And, you know, I've got a cousin who lives in Israel. Um, I texted with him. He's not near the fighting. He's a little north, but if Hezbollah gets involved from Lebanon, it could become very dangerous. My uncle and aunt were living in Israel six months out of the year. Uh, it's just horrifying, and and I, uh, I, yeah, I just don't have the words. But I felt like I needed to just say. Something because the truth is, this podcast I was looking forward to because it is an escape. I've been glued to the TV for the last 48 hours and texting with friends and family. And we went to our synagogue on Saturday night and it was basically a vigil. Lots of our congregants in our synagogue have family members. We have a lot of Israelis who are part of our congregation, their whole families are in harm's way. Some haven't heard from their families and friends. It's just absolutely horrific and scary and I don't have the capacity to explain it or make anyone else feel good about it at all. All I got is this podcast, which is an hour to two hours of just escape from that stuff to be with you and our Hoosier Hysteric family. So I have no point other than that, Ward. No point.
1: Um, I think just sharing what you're going through, hopefully is some kind of relief and help and i for one as you well know along with the hoosiers and the colts uh you know i put my focus on ufo's because right. it it really it doesn't affect my daily life it's it's fun it's an escape but there's stuff like this that comes along that with los angeles having one of the biggest jewish communities in the country uh really i'm in sure the world. in the world um, um, and so many friends, uh, like yourself who are Jewish. It's just like this, you know, this hits home in a way that, uh, even the conf, you know, the conflict in Ukraine for as long as that's going on. And a couple Ukrainian friends, it's just like, that is something that feels much more like, well, that's happening to, uh, other people in another place. Whereas this is like, it feels so much more personal. Um, so yeah, I think to, to not acknowledge it would be odd and and to just embrace the idea of like okay um and now now let's go to this this fun place this place that that has meaning because of um really only positive things even if the teams are doing terrible um knowing that it's it's not it's never that bad <laughs> whatever is right. going on with our sports teams at our university uh, it this
2: this really puts it in perspective it does, and like I said, it's just weird to even like pivot But that's what this is It's like, you know, it, it's an escape And it's fun, and it's crazy, and we're going to do it So with that said, let's start over We did that, and I will say to you Hello, Ward Hello, Eric
1: Communitycars.com Sponsor of the publisher, Mm-hmm.
2: Let's get it out of the way, Colts. Let's just start with the Colts. Jesus. I want it out of the way. This I texted you over the weekend. A rough start. Well, hey, man. First of all, you won. You won, and you beat a conference rival. At what cost? At what cost? Well, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know, but like.
1: In 24 hours, I went from the most excited I've been about Colts football since Andrew Luck retired with the signing of Jonathan Taylor. Because with that extension, I was like, and and I never post anywhere about anything really. You know this. But I went on to the Colts subreddit, and I was like, upvote party for four years of awesome offense with Tony Rich, JT, and the Shane. Because I'm like, this is this is great. Like they've declared the window is open now. Anthony Richardson has been so impressive in his two and a half games that he stayed on the field for. We're going all in, you know. And and just the the electric combination of two of the most dynamic athletes and runners in the NFL being in the same backfield. Never mind Zach Moss, who's been pretty amazing. We're like, well, uh, this is this is going to be so fun. And with one tackle, seemingly innocuous. I mean, I get it. Those kind of those kind of hits would kill you or me. But in the NFL, especially if you're six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds of pure muscle, you don't expect something like that to result in your new franchise quarterback superstar walking off the field like his arm
2: has been dislocated and taped back on. Well, so, and it's not just that hit. It's the fact that you're what three and two now, right? Yeah. All right. You're three and two. You played five games. He's left three of the games with an yeah. injury before
1: the, the game was over. And anyone you're like, well, the game was pretty much over when they took him out at the end of the Jacksonville game, you know, got a boob on his knee. He was fine. He could have gone back in. He practiced the following week. He played. The concussion, kind of a freak thing, it happens to everybody. Okay, just learn how to protect yourself, especially you know going into the end zone like that. Rookie lessons learned. But now this, now this is like okay, this this is now like a pattern. Three very different things, but regardless, showing you know is is he just a lemon? Is he yeah, a glass? Is he Joe? built for it. Right. Exactly. Well, it makes no sense when you look at the way his body is constructed. You're like, well, he's more built for this than about anybody else out there. But so, you know, I mean, what we're looking at maybe anywhere from one to two months, you know, and and I love what they're saying.
2: That's the latest today.
1: Yeah. It's like a AC sprain level three. And it's Gardner
2: Minshew is going to take you to the playoffs. That's what's going to happen.
1: Entirely possible, and and I will get happy and have fun with that too. You know, for the shoe, as they say. I mean, what what a what a character to have as your backup quarterback. It's it's really fun, but it's just like it's it's right now. It's hard to enjoy it because we were we were, we had it. We, we we're right there. We were in the first moments of the Jonathan Taylor Anthony Richardson experiment. And, and, you know, the, the, just the way I felt from the time I woke up yesterday to woke up to this morning with the, the, the diagnostics in on Tony Rich being like, yeah, it could have been worse. He's not out for the season, but it's also the weight of it carries of like, okay, yeah, he comes back in a couple months, but for how long? You know, and 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 is this just going to be a guy who can't stay on the field and all this otherworldly potential he possesses, not just as an athlete, but the presence he has, the processing he's doing, like you, you look at the breakdowns as I have on how this guy is playing four games into his career. And it's like, no, he's, he's not a raw project. He's already turning into one of the most dynamic playmakers. And and then you're just like, yeah, even if Gardner wins this a bunch, maybe the division, he comes back in. It's just like, I, I think we'll be holding our breath for, for many games, if not seasons at this point to see if he can stay healthy.
2: You know what happened? What happened? We passed the point of my interest level. I tried real hard, man, but you st- when you started talking, when I heard breakdowns, yeah. I was like, "Oh no, what's going to happen now? Are we go? How deep into the weeds are we going to get here?" Well, I mean, I, just for what it's worth, I wasn't doing that for you. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> fair enough. But there's only one other person on this Zoom right now, and who knows? Maybe only one person left in the audience too. We don't know. I it. I mean. I wonder what
1: percentage of our listeners are Colts fans. Like one out of I'm the sure two? I'm sure it's high.
2: I'm sure it's pretty high. I'm sure it's pretty high. It's a but we game. know that they're here for the basketball. That's why they're here and for the football to some degree. I got to say it was nice having the week off. It, it, it was nice having a week off. We didn't lose. We the did Indiana football lose. team Look good. did good. not lose. Look, we, we are a historic program, though. So we are, we are, but, but that happened before. Like that was an old story. Are you referring to the one that Cliff sent? Yeah. Of 700 yeah, that losses. last year,
1: but, but doesn't it like, it happens on a regular basis. It seems like to me, we've gotten the update two or three times that we're the first division one program to X number of losses.
2: Yes. We're the first division one program to 700 losses, but I believe we crossed that in 2022. Okay. Like not okay. this season. Yeah. So, I- it all the, it all blurs together. I get it. The question is, will we be the first to eight hundred losses? Let's hope not. But we've got a head start. Yeah, we've got yeah, a real good head start.
1: We're in the lead.
2: I'll tell you what pisses me off. I mean, like, look, they there's so much about this whole thing that really pisses me off. So they hire Walt Bell, who just looking at it on paper made no sense. Not impressive. right. We we not all impressive. said it makes no sense that was a disaster it was a disaster from the jump and then they bailed on it four games in then they have this guy Rod Carey who last year was our I don't know I think he was quality control coach is what he was last year right for a team that had no quality or control over it (laughs) they they fire Hiller the offensive line coach and they move Rod Carey, who at the time was working with the defense, to the offensive line coach for the rest of the season. Okay? And let's just be honest. The offensive line sucked from that point on. Like, well, you know, okay, fine. But they had to get rid of the offensive line coach. Then they send Rod Carey, who, by the way, God bless him. He played for Indiana. He loves Indiana football. God bless him. He then goes back to being the quality control coach. Where's the, is is anybody holding, he's a Swiss army knife. Okay. But for what? Like if he, where where is the, what does a quality control coach do? This team is awful. They've been awful. And where was the quality control when we should have lost to Akron, a Mac team? Where was the quality control there? Where's the quality control been on the offense? It's Embarrassing. I see where you're going with this, but what. What
1: options at this point in the middle of the season do they have?
2: None. Fine. Fire Walt Bell. Put Rod Carey in if that's what you think you need to do. But they signed him to a multi year deal, making him the highest paid coordinator in the history of Indiana football. I mean, not, not an impressive number to reach, but, well, yes, but they've upped I get... him. they've upped him recently, Ward. Like it's not, we're not Ohio State or Michigan, but relatively speaking, they've upped it. The guy's making $815,000 for the next couple of years. So I, I just am trying to understand you hire Walt bell. You think he's the answer. You stick with him at the beginning of this year, but in your pocket was a guy who you were willing to make the highest paid coordinator in the history of IU football. And you just throw him in four games in. If you thought he was that good and willing to pay that much money. And by the way, they still owe Walt bell money. Why didn't you make that move in the off season? If you thought Rod Carey was worth the highest coordinator salary in the history of Indiana football, why in the world wasn't he made coordinator before this season when you were still going to have to pay Walt Bell and they still have to pay him now? It makes no sense.
1: What doesn't make sense to me is that you're still this upset about Indiana football. This season am, was man. over. This season was over for me in that Akron game. I, but it's, I turned it's, it off. I turned it off. I was like, I
2: know, but it's, it's not about the season. You've talked about it. It's about the future of Indiana athletics. I know. I know. I just, I,
1: I, to me, I've written it off any hope or optimism until there's a wholesale change, whatever that means. We talked about you it know, with Rabi and, and I just like, I'm like, I, it is not. There is nothing I can do. Well, look, we have this platform and I think you're articulating it very well as to the complete nonsense that's going on. It is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. But it's like, I mean, you know what? What am I going to do about it? The only thing I can really think about not doing about it is like just divorcing all emotion from it. Like, yep. Okay, Um,
2: well, maybe they'll get it right next time. Okay, but then they kind of double down on the what the F is going on there. When this week they hired Justin Fuente, former head coach of Virginia Tech, loser who went to Virginia (laughs) Tech. He went to Virginia Tech and lost. I mean, his first year was really good. And then they basically got worse every year. And they brought him in. As football analysts, I mean, they're just making up shit now. There's quality control, football what? analysts. What, aren't they all football analysts? Isn't yeah. that what coaching is? I mean, it just
1: seems to me it's like, well, uh, who we have here, uh, like we we don't get it. We're in an echo chamber, um, and we couldn't find anybody besides Rod Carey come in to pay all this money. And he's he's been in this. He's been part of this disaster So let's get some fresh eyes at least and see if they can give us some objectivity. Now, I I get your point. This isn't the ideal candidate to come in and do that. But the ideal
2: candidates all have jobs right now. Well, okay, maybe that's that's largely true. But I do believe that if you want to build a winning culture, especially at IU football, where we just don't have it and haven't. If you're going to bring people in from the outside, bring in winners. I mean, look, if you want to go spend money and show that you're real serious about this, will Urban Meyer take the rest of the year off from being a broadcast analyst and come in for $2 million to be a consultant? Then pay him. At least bring in a guy who's won consistently and built consistent winning programs. Rod Carey didn't do it when he was the head coach at Temple. Walt Bell didn't do it when he was at UMass. This guy, Fuente, didn't do it when he was at um, Virginia Tech. Like they did bring in that Bostad who coaches the offensive line, who was with Wisconsin for the last several years. So, like, he's been part of something else. But Tom Allen. You know, like he bounced around a little and was with the SEC a little bit. But we don't have anyone who has built a winning program. And if you're going to bring in these quality control and football analysts and make up titles and pay them, and now they're paying Walt Bell, Rob Carey, and Justin Fuente, bring in winners. And if you're not going to bring in winners, then don't bring them in. It's a waste. With with this many games left in the season, you think that bringing that guy in is going to somehow flip the switch and this team is going to make a bowl game? It it all reeks of desperation, and honestly, it is desperate. It's a
1: desperate situation.
2: Yeah, well, okay, I don't like it. It pisses me off because every time we talk about football, you are the one who brings up what's going to happen to Indiana Athletics in five, ten years. Yeah. With, with where you, you, and, and I, before you started bringing that up, I kind of was of the mindset, football's gravy at Indiana. Like, I know that in the in the world of college athletics, it is not. I'm very well uh, educated on that stuff. But at Indiana, I thought, well, just become like a bowl team once every three years and we'll be fine. And our basketball is so popular that that'll keep us in the Big Ten. But I don't know anymore. And I think you've been right that, like, who knows what's going to happen in five, ten years. And when you're looking around the Big Ten and you're looking at schools that, like, or if, if there's not even going to be the Big Ten anymore, if there's just going to be like a major football mega conference, Indiana is the first on the chopping block. The
1: point being, all the other Blue Bloods are putting it together and they are going to be viable football programs moving forward. There's no reason to think that these these other schools are suddenly going to like drop back out of of being, you know, top 25 programs because they're good institutions and their athletic department has their shit together for us. We already get bullied at the big 10 table because we don't have that football money. We're already pushed around by the big football schools So far as, you know the decision making process we saw it in the bowl games you know even the way things went down in the covid season you know hey that's great you're uh, uh, our best basketball school but we've got five football schools that bring in more money than you so just sit down over there and we'll let you know how this is going to play out so that's only going to get worse um and yeah no and 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 i i obviously still think that and agree with that but at this point in this season I'm just like, well, this isn't going to be the season. This isn't the squad or the staff that's going to get us going in the right direction next season. I'll, I'll, I'll try to be optimistic again, but you know, it's getting tougher with each passing season in this yeah. current regime.
2: Yeah. I mean, I still hold out hope that Tom Allen somehow figures out a way to turn it around because I do not believe that they will find someone out there who wants to be at Indiana more who wants to build it for the long-term more, who cares more deeply, who's more passionate than he is. But I get it. It is a business, and all that stuff doesn't amount to anything if you don't build a winner on the field. And right now, it's hard to see where the winning comes from. That said, when you do look at our record, I mean, you look at we almost beat Louisville. Louisville just smoked Notre Dame, right? We lost to Ohio State. Ohio State is the best. They're one of the best. Yeah, they're Ohio State. You know, and then we lost to Maryland, Maryland, who you know is four and one, I think, and and gave Ohio State five and one, and they gave Ohio State a run for three quarters. So, you know, it just doesn't look good, which is I think what we're all reacting to, and it's it's kind of rinse and repeat. But let's not rinse and repeat anymore. Let's move on to recruiting, basketball recruiting.
1: I just wanted to say there there is that ember in me that i could fan if dexter williams comes back because and and i you know look i've that 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 flame it's way down in there i'm not acknowledging it but we all know in in the game of football quarterback is really really a huge part about what you're doing out there and i like taven and i hope he can develop and be the guy for us but if there's going to be any kind of silver lining or hope or upward trajectory with this program this season, it's going to be that guy whenever, whenever he may take the field again. But that's it. I'm, I'm just putting it out there that I haven't completely extinguished the flame for the season, but I'm mentally and emotionally in that mindset to protect myself.
2: Great point. And I hope you noticed we're back in the game now of not saying who the starting quarterback is. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me? It's a joke. It's just an absolute joke. You did it for the first two weeks. You explained it away that it was our plan. Now Taven's the starting quarterback. Oh, wait a minute. You fire the offensive coordinator. You fire the offensive coordinator because he's the problem, right? Yeah, totally. Taven, who you announced as the starting quarterback, is not the starting quarterback for next week and they're playing these games, stupid games that, that just make us look like the team that's lost 700 games more than any other team in Division One high-end college football. Let's move on to college basketball recruiting. <laughs> okay, yes, please. Okay. Look, man, we are in it right now. If I were a betting man, mm-hmm. I would bet that Liam McNeely makes his announcement this coming weekend. That's on ESPN, right? I think there's a very good chance that that happens, yes. And if I were a betting man right now, I'd bet on Liam McNeely's coming to Indiana. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. I also think that the Liam McNeely recruitment affects not only the Derek Queen recruitment, but the Boogie Flan recruitment. I think they are all, it's not a package deal, and they could all go to three different schools. But getting Liam helps. In both those. I think Boogie, who who played this last weekend in Colorado Springs at the Team USA event and impressed the hell out of everybody, I think Boogie is big time in decision-making mode. And I would bet sometime not that far after the 15th of this month, 16th, somewhere in there, I think it's happening this month, we get a decision from Boogie. Then you still have to wait out Derek Queen having his visit to Maryland on the 20th to the 22nd. But then maybe right after that, before the first signing period, maybe you have the three biggest recruitments that Indiana has been involved in for quite some time making a decision all within about three weeks of each other. And it could absolutely be the difference between Indiana going to that next level, being a bona fide elite talent team with a chance for a deep NCAA tournament run, And really also being the talk of college basketball recruiting in AAU circles, other coaches talking about it. Like all that could happen if we land these three dudes and there's a real chance that we can.
1: It's remarkable when coach Woodson came to town about him saying, Indiana deserves their place at the table with the other blue bloods. And it's good to say that. And, and, and to have at least a program history that would validate that, but knowing, hey, no, nobody's going to get you a place at that table uh, for what you did 30 years ago. Right. What's going on right now? And with his resume and his swagger and the staff he's assembled and gotten into a, a really well-oiled machine, uh, he's he's manifested that. And it's like in recruiting battles and in the schedule, you know, he has backed up what he talked about at his first press conference. And we're playing against these teams. The Kentucky series is back in. We have the Kansas series. Obviously it was great with, you know, Arizona and all that last year. Like those are, those are the best programs. And we're now playing them on nationally televised games. And now he's knee deep in his second mano-a-mano with Bill Self. You know, he's been taking down some of the other guys along the way who have been here longer and had more track. Uh, a better track record of success at the college game. And to think that there's three weeks where everything that he's been saying since he showed up can suddenly be become not, not just moving in the right direction, but like everything except for then those players showing up in Bloomington and getting us to a final four or a big 10 championship, you know, all these other steps I think had to be taken to get to that result And that there's going to be three weeks where there's like some thread on the pigs message board is going to have 250,000 views. No,
2: it look, it is the next three weeks are validation for the strategy or heartbreak. I mean, total heartbreak and kind of what do we do now? Because he went big game hunting And these are the three big ones that he needs for 2024. And people talking about 2025, it doesn't matter right now. None of it matters. Lock these three in if you can. And I promise 2025 will look a lot better if you get these guys. There's also things to remember about this. While all three guys, of course, want to be one and done, all of them. Because that's when you're at that level, that's what you want. But Boogie is a point guard who's really young, really young for his class. There may be a chance that he's not ready in one year, and you may get a couple of years. Liam and Derek, Liam's got to impress people with, you know, his shooting has to be so good because he isn't a huge athlete. Right. So the NBA is going to have to see, can this guy come in and shoot 40% from three? We'll see. Derek has to impress people with his athleticism because there's some question marks about that they all project to be stellar college basketball players and they do all project to be pros at some level and and at some point and probably in the nba but this is the class that gets you from just above mediocre to now you're playing in the elite circles and it will get noticed by everyone so make no mistake He's still got to beat out self and he's still got to beat out Calipari for boogie and Calipari. This is his first one-on-one with Calipari. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, look, the situation in Kentucky isn't great. Hasn't been great for a while. Um, You know, if this was even two, three years ago, I think it would be like, Oh God, you know, and if we hadn't already taken self down in a one-on-one, but now it's like, yeah, no, I, I think, and thanks to, indiana's nil situation being robust that obviously we we're going to hear from our guests today how much that's changed the equation in the last couple of seasons so look i'll get out ahead of this just in case we don't get all three or you know look i i get it if we maybe only get one or we get none we're all gonna freak out it's what we do we absolutely will but it's not just been about these three in terms of how we were able to get Jalen and Malik. And now we have Khalil and McKenzie, you know, and those were all, those were all pretty short recruitments. And, you know, in the day and age of the transfer portal with the way the class of 25 is set up, it isn't like, Oh my gosh, we've, we've just been focusing on these three and there was nothing before that in the way of success and there's nothing set up for them afterwards so i think that also points to why like this all feels good and promising is because it's not like oh we are absolutely living or dying with these three we we want to live with them um but i'll just i'll just put it out there right now in case we need it and i hope we don't i don't think we should be absolutely dying if it
2: doesn't if it doesn't pan out the way we want all right i'm gonna go the flip side Uh uh-huh If we get one of the three, let me let me go backwards. Three of the three is a third-deck home run. Best recruiting class since the Cheney class, and I would argue, perhaps on some level, even better because of the high-end talent. That Cheney class was so deep, you know, and you had Thunderbird and Lawson and Cheney and Graham and Graham and and uh, Leary. It was so deep, but and Reynolds, but to have three guys ranked in the top 15 as of a couple weeks ago and three guys that people think could be one and duns. Nobody thought those guys on our team with maybe the exception of Funderburk could have gone to the NBA very quickly, you know? So I, it is just three of three is the, is a third deck home run. Two and- of three is excellent. Two of three is excellent. Very good. Excellent. One of three is a failure. It is. For the time that they've put in, for the fact that they narrowed 2024 and didn't go after guys like Honor Boateng as hard as they could have and didn't go after guys like um, Austin Shores as hard as they could have and passed on guys last year like Deshaun Harris-Smith, like they focused in on these three and really ignored the rest because they were like, we're going to get these three. If you only get one of them, it's a failure. It's okay. a failure. Yeah, I think it'll be great to have them that one, but they can't just get one. They can't just get one, even if they get guys in the spring. It's not going to be at this level. And the amount of time and effort that they put in and the strategy that they put in, they've got to validate that strategy.
1: Well, and to just bring in another element of the strategy um, that happened recently is uh, another pro day. Woody got a scout from every NBA team to show up at assembly hall and watch these dudes play? You know, obviously last year putting Jalen, you know, first round point guard to the Lakers and a lot of good stuff coming out of Golden State about Trace right now. And now you've got people looking at both McKenzie and Khalil as first round talents. And again, they've got a lot to prove on the court this year as Trace and Jalen did last year. And between their the work they put in and the coaching they received They 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 got drafted. And with these two guys, I think we all got to hope for the same thing. But even just that these three recruits making their fate and ours known, probably in the next month or so, if you include Derek, you know, them seeing that that like, oh, man, these guys like the NBA comes to Indiana.
2: Yeah. Which is is not an easy thing. I mean, it really isn't like Bloomington. You fly into Indianapolis if you're flying in and then you got to drive an hour. And if you're living in Chicago or something, you got to make a real drive. It's not like a pro day at UCLA, you know, where everybody just flies into L.A. and is happy to be there. It's like this is a pain to get to Bloomington in some ways. And Woody was able to get incredible representation. I do feel really bad for Khalil because he's had a bad string of bad luck. He sprains his ankle on day one of his first practice, and that took him out of being able to go play in the Team USA event that he was going to be invited to. And now the pro day, he's got a bum shoulder. I don't know the extent of it. I have not heard, but I feel bad for him because he obviously needed to get in front of those NBA scouts. And in fact, our guest today, who I should make clear, we talked to him before the NBA pro day for Indiana, yeah. but he did put out some news on Twitter that he spoke to some NBA guys and and they said Khalil's got a lot to prove with his motor. He also said somebody may just take him in the first round because he's got so much potential and clear raw talent, but it's a shame because the NBA guys clearly are questioning his motor and how hard he works and they wanted to see it up close and personal and he didn't get that chance. Luckily, hopefully, he'll have about 35 chances to show people that this is this is what I'm saying. So much of of that
1: is optics. I think for recruiting, you know, do I think Jalen doesn't go to the Lakers in the first round if it weren't for that pro day? I mean, I don't know, but probably not, because he put up right. 35 in Mackey. So uh, I think Perfect. it's more for for. These three guys back with their families in the different parts of of uh, the country, deciding if Bloomington's the place for them. And oh, in between visits from the entire coaching staff, they're seeing the entire coaching staff has a scout from every NBA team, you know, in Assembly Hall. It's just, it's a good look. It's a good look.
2: Did you see Trace Jackson Davis block Jalen Hood Shafighno driving to the lane? I did not. Yeah, yeah. In their in their ex, uh, preseason game, Jalen drives to the bucket. Trace swats the shit out of it. <laughs> Trace did not score, which I thought was interesting. Jalen, I think, had seven, didn't shoot the ball well, had six rebounds. Um, but seeing Trace block Jalen is funny. And you know what's really interesting about Trace's position on that team? You know, they traded James – or did they trade? I think they did. James Wiseman, they traded him. They don't have a lob threat. They don't have a rim protector. The way Trace could really carve out a real role there for a while if he if he performs. I mean, they they need that. They don't have that. They don't have his athleticism with that size. I mean, they play Draymond Green as the five sometimes, and he's not a rim protector. So it's going to be very interesting. I, I'm getting a phone call from Algeria, just so you know. Answer it. Hello, Algeria? Hello? Hello? Hi, my name is Neff. I'm just following up on a notice that you received in July. What was the notice? Uh, That notice is about the
0: rate increase on the
2: electricity. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. But I'd rather you make it go down. Let's go. Let's do a rate decrease on the electricity. Cool? Thank you. All right, I think I took care of that. So your utilities company is based at Algeria? I mean, wh- I'm surprised they didn't say that that the prince was asking for a loan, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it,
1: I mean, he's he's trapped without any way to get a plane ticket.
2: Ward, we're one week closer to the season. It's just around the corner. We play an exhibition game this month.
1: That's crazy. That is crazy. This month. It, it's, it's October. It's October, baby. It's go time.
2: And now it's news, 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 news. It's Liam pop probably this weekend it's boogie hopefully a week to 10 days after that it's Derek. a week to 10 days hopefully after that then we got hoosier hysteria in there we got gucci main we got bouncing bouncing (laughs) we then got please public
1: service announcement if anybody is at hoosier hysteria and and has footage of rabbi getting down to gucci main please
2: please share that Yes. Yeah, we will. We will pay top dollar. Make it an NFT. We will pay for that. Uh, So we're bringing on a guest we've had on one time before. He's a bit of a controversial guest because we had him on the first time because he said a lot of bad shit about Indiana and Mike Woodson. And we called him out on some of that. And I think his tune has started to change for both professional and really personal reasons. Yes. So he's become a friend in some ways. And we (laughs) wanted to have him back on the show because he is a guy that's really connected and watches a ton of college basketball. And I do think, just like having a coaching analyst come in from the outside to give you fresh eyes. It's good to have somebody not in the Indiana circle, like we are in the Indiana bubble, give us his perspective on what this team looks like and what the future looks like. So what do you say we get to it? I say, yes.
1: Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest ladies and gentlemen boys and girls he's back he's back he's wearing some swag I think you're all really going to appreciate you're going to want to see what this gentleman is wearing but first you need to know exactly who he is Eric this gentleman he's been on here before who is he
2: hailing from Framingham Massachusetts with a whole bunch of other stuff that happened in between between then and now including Uh, going to the one school that would let him in, Arizona, but we don't need to get into that. The most important thing, of course, that he's done is send a lovely daughter to the best school in the country, Indiana University. He is a national basketball uh, analyst. He's a writer. He's a pundit. He covers college basketball. He covers NBA. He covers it all. He does like 25 different jobs, including a rather new one that I want to get into He has been critical at times of Indiana and he has been supportive at times of Indiana. And I don't want him for a second to think he's currying favor with the gear that he's wearing today. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's working for me. It's working. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the podcast, Jeff Goodman.
0: Hey, are we in mourning of of the Walt Bell era ending in?
2: <laughs> yeah, it'll go down in history. It will oh, go down. Oh my goodness.
0: Literally, hey, one of the all-time quotes anybody will ever make was his quote that uh Taven Jackson and Brendan Sorsby uh, he could see both being in the NFL one day. No disrespect to the
2: two of them, but like, come on, man, what are we doing? I agree. I also loved his quote when he was asked when it was decided who would be the starter, he was asked. What was that? Were you involved in that process? And he said, I was in the room, but (laughs) Tom Allen did the talking. I mean, like, what the hell? Hey, all I know is I I should, uh, I have gained
0: a lot of favor because of my, I've watched every Indiana football game since last year. I mean, what does that get me? That should get me something here. Every game that I mean, is that it gets is you a lot of, of pain and heartache if milk.
2: you're actually a lot of advil
1: if yeah. you're investing yourself in it
2: yeah i <laughs> mean God. jeff you have to understand though you're talking to two people that have watched indiana football games for the better part of 40 years and of those 40 there's been like five decent seasons so it's a little rough yeah. Yeah. around here but we're not talking about football today we Fair got enough. you for limited time yep. let's start with Look, you've got the field of 68 behind you. We know you're still part of that. Um, but you've got some new ventures that are going on. Quickly update us on what you're doing these days. So I came up as a
0: writer. Like, that was me. Like I, When ESPN hired me uh, 10 years ago now, 10 years ago, I had done very little TV. They hired me, I thought, as a writer. And, uh, and I go there, and quickly, I'm behind a paywall. They had never told me that. But right away, it was like, all right, you're insider. You're behind a paywall. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this shit. Like, I want people to read what I write. I don't want them to pay for reading it early. And that was early in the days of of paywalls. So I was kind of not happy. But I ended up being on TV a ton. And really, for the last 10 years, most people that know me really don't think of me as a writer because I haven't written that much. Uh, Messenger, a new uh, website that came out uh, a few months ago, run by Jimmy Finkelstein um more of an entertainment guy uh he hired a guy named Dan Kaufman who was at ESPN when I was there uh, for the insider he was running it smart smart guy um he goes after me and Seth Davis uh, and he basically says hey listen I want you to write I want you to do what I thought you could do at ESPN which is cover all levels of basketball you know cover cover college cover NBA when you want to go do a story on Cooper Flag." Uh, or whoever, you know, Mackenzie Bacco. because I grew up cover recruiting. So I love right. it still. I go out every July. I, I went to Brewster Academy the other day, uh, which isn't that far from me. So basically, to make a long story short, I'm still going to be able to do all the other stuff I do, you know, Field of 68, show with Doug Gottlieb on stadium, but I'm also going to be writing, which is really, like, if you told me when I was growing up, what's your dream job? My dream job would have been to cover the Boston Celtics for the Boston Globe. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was it. They had everybody write a column, write a, a Sunday notes column, like Peter Gammon. It's like Bob Ryan was my idol, right. literally grown up. And now I do a podcast with the dude. Like, so so I'm a writer at heart. Uh, now, again, it's work. I tell my daughter now, my daughter does a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, dad, you know, this writing thing, like it's hard. And I'm like, yeah, way harder than, What we're doing right now, which is just getting on here and shooting the shit. And you don't have to prepare. You just have to watch and be locked in. But, you know, I go to the Celtics media day the other day and I'm sitting there for you know three, four hours. I got to get back, listen to it again, get the quotes I want to use, transcribe and then write a story. It's an eight hour process where talking about the Celtics getting through holiday and everything would have taken me 10 minutes.
1: Right. Do you do you find it more gratifying though when you have oh. that that piece done and you're like, there's a thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I did a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember when I was a stadium. I wrote what I wanted to do there, not a lot, but I did a story on Greg Marshall. Yeah, and it, it ultimately which got led fired. to
2: him getting fired. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, he he punched a dude, and I had it for months. The story that he punched a dude, but I couldn't get the player Shaq Morris to tell me on the record. Told me off the record, but I was like, I need it on the record because I know if I don't, Greg Marshall might convince you. Like, who knows how that works? I need it on the record from you and another player. I got it. It took five months and about 50 phone calls to different players, former coaches. That's, yeah, that's gratifying. That's work. That's, that's, ab- you know, real to me reporting, which unfortunately does not go on very often anymore.
2: No, and the messenger—it's the messenger which is a total news service. We should say I—I I, I messed around with it a little bit. Some cool stuff there. Some really good writers, sports, yeah. politics, news. It—it yeah. it, it does seem a little bit like it's trying to be a throwback to newspaper days in the digital yeah. age. So, and we need good journalism and investigative that's how I was journalism. sold on it, to be yeah, honest, be that's
0: how I was sold on it. It's not going to be barstooly. It's down the middle. You know right reporting a lot of original reporting you'll see more and more of that a lot from from the sports uh part of it which just started a month ago but the you know news politics entertainment they they started that months ago has any
1: has anybody from the IU media school approached you about talking to the students there
0: no and I'd love to Galen and I are close yeah and uh, that means I to would happen. love to because you know obviously having my daughter, and she calls me like 10 times a day. Everything she does from a from a journalist standpoint, she kind of calls me like, is this the right way to handle it? Is this not? And you realize, you realize, and I've talked to Dana O'Neill about this uh, also. Dana is a terrific reporter with the athletics. She was at ESPN, good friend of mine. And she goes and speaks to classes too. And and Galen's unbelievable, first of all, let me say that. But, but I think there are some things that I could – some insight that I could bring that, um, you know, these kids just don't know, like they don't know. Dana said, she goes, she goes, they don't even know how to like request a credential. They don't know where to go when they walk in a building. Like Talia has had the benefit of being around me for a lot of this. So she knows a lot of that just from being around, but there's so much she doesn't know. She's writing off football games live right now. And she doesn't understand how hard that is. Like that is really hard to be able to, Quick for Rob Johns be able to turn something super quick. I did that when I came up for the Associated Press. I covered the Buffalo Bills the year Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson were there, and of the first four games, and with the AP, you got to file right away. First four games, they all came down to final play, mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's it, it it makes you handle stress, it makes you handle pressure.
2: Yeah, and look, I I've talked about this too on the entertainment side that. Education is almost always just by definition, it's behind where the uh, professional workspace is. It just kind of has to be because they're using documents and, and writings that are from yesteryear. And with the Internet, let's just say in everything, streaming when it comes to sports and entertainment, the way it's changed journalism, the way it's changed the way we consume media, it's changing so fast that I do believe schools that want to be the center of media and, and, and shepherding kids into jobs need to have professional people talking to kids all the time because and Galen everything does. changed.
0: Yes. Galen does. He's probably afraid to put me in front of those kids. You know, he, <laughs> well, I of, would he be knows what I'll say.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd be afraid to put you in well, front I of any just kid. Listen,
0: I must say it the way it is. I mean, that's the one thing with me, you're not going to get any sugar coating. Um, You know, and I've done every like, I've done everything from, again, writing, podcasting, you know, sports center, sideline. I've done a little bit of everything in this business and and been fortunate to get those opportunities when, again, like, you know, a lot of it um, wasn't anything I ever envisioned coming up. So I think I can probably help in, and, and again, some of the basics for these kids, even of like, When you go out, what you do, what like Talia's had the benefit of of doing sideline, and like I've told her from the get go, when you get uh, assigned a game for sideline, the first thing you do is reach out to both SIDs and try to get the coach and two players right on the phone, so that way you've already got six stories that you can go to. Now I would I would try to get you know the top seven from each team. I would go to shoot around get two or three players after shoot around, talk to the coach, you know, my process was a little bit different because I was uh, already entrenched with a lot of these coaches, but some, you know, some SIDs are great to student media and other SIDs aren't all that helpful. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, like be helpful. And and Indiana's are great. Indiana's are great. I'm talking about some of the other ones that, that she's covered. And it's like, these are kids that are trying to learn. Help them make the coaches accessible. Even if you're a coach, I get it. You may not want to talk to a student, um, but that's kind of of part of like, as you're a coach, as you get older, it's like me, I want to help the young people that are coming up in this profession. If you're a coach, you should be wanting to help these kids.
2: Well, especially if you're a coach at a a college. college.
0: Exactly.
2: (laughs) All right. Let's that. I love this conversation. We could talk about this for hours, but let's move on. To One of the other things that you do do is you help write for the Almanac, the College Basketball Almanac, which has come out recently. I highly recommend it. I went and purchased mine and have been poking around, hopefully reading negative stuff about all other schools and positive stuff about Indiana. But Mm -hmm. uh, your your partner in crime on many things, Rob Dowster, wrote the preview for Indiana. Um, But I'm sure that you have paid attention to Indiana a lot because of your connection there now. So let's talk about what you're thinking about the season coming up. Let's start with uh, overall. What's your outlook on Indiana this season?
0: A lot of intrigue. I mean, a lot of intrigue. There's there's, there's certainly enough talent there. I don't think we can question the talent level that Mike Woodson and his staff have brought in. Right? Khalil Ware is super talented. Now, I remember seeing him two summers ago, and I was like, all right, he's talented. He's intriguing. There's upside. Is he going to fulfill that potential? And he didn't do it at Oregon his freshman year. Most people thought he'd be one and done. I actually thought he'd be one and done, but based on again somebody drafting him, you know, saying we're going to throw him in the G League for a couple years and see what we're going to get down the road. Um, I give him credit. I give him credit that he didn't just throw his name in the draft because he probably still would have went in the Mm forties. You know, again, just based on upside. I give him a lot of credit for saying or his people around him also, his mother, I'm told, is is, is really smart and, and grounded, saying like, no, no, we, we need another year in college here. It, it, brilliant. Because, again, why be drafted in the 40s when the team has no investment as opposed to try to get your stock back to where you're at least a first rounder and then there's an investment. Plus, listen, if he had tried to go in the league right now, he would have gotten eaten. I mean, imagine Cleo Ware in the league right now. He, he would have gotten crushed. He right. needs his confidence back. His work ethic, from what I'm told, is much better than it was at Oregon already. Right. So that's a good thing. Uh, I love Mackenzie and Baco. Like I'm, I was the charter
2: uh, member, you, the president you, of the fan club. You <laughs> at one point thought that he had the potential to be the number one player in the class, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now I didn't see him last year. You got
0: to remember, I see him in July. Right, And then I really don't see these kids again until like McDonald's game and and towards the end.
2: And tough to analyze those games.
0: Right. You can't. You can't. He was terrible at McDonald's. Um, Mm. But even before that, a lot of people were saying like he had fallen off. He wasn't playing that well in high school, this, that, and the other. I think he transferred high schools at that point. Um, I just – there was not a clear-cut number one player in this class. Okay, let's start there. Let's Mm -hmm. start there. And whoever you want to say – you know, Justin Edwards of Kentucky will be one of my top freshmen. Um, you know, Isaiah Collier at USC, some people at it, number one, Kid Williams of Colorado, some people. There's nobody that emerged. I love McKenzie a couple summers ago because he was versatile. Um, he was a tough matchup, not a great perimeter shooter, but he made enough of them to keep defenses honest. That is my biggest concern with this team. I think you guys know where I'm going with this because I've said it before, is perimeter shooting, is playing these three bigs up front, Renew, Ware, and and Imbaco, that are all fours and more fours and fives than threes. And if they don't make threes, if they can't prove they can keep the defense honest consistently, I would be zoning them every single game at this point. Uh, And then you've got Xavier, who's coming back from injury, shot it well but not the best pure form of of anybody and and Galloway who did it and on a small sample size last year when he was left open most of those I bet if you look back were uncontested threes that he made now they're going to guard him again their their talent levels higher end like I don't know top 10 ish probably talent overall level and the bench I want to see what what they can get out of this bench I'm not I'm not sold on this bench yet. Like, who do we feel really good about? Um, I love Gabe as a, you know, but, and I love Gabe. Honestly, you put a lot of talent around Gabe. Like he's going to be a really, really good program guy for four years.
1: Right. Right. Now talking about all this talent and it, it just remains to be seen how it develops, how it meshes, Hmm. but in the almanac top 100 players. None of those guys made it. We don't have a top 100 player in America.
0: Yeah, I would have had Xavier on there probably, to be honest. I I think Mm -hmm. I love what they did giving Xavier, uh, put making him a captain. Because I I think it forces him to take even more ownership in this team, you know, grow up and mature. And I think he's done that. I think he's done it. I think he got a bad rap when he was at Pittsburgh, uh, and it's kind of followed him. Uh, But I've talked to him enough over the last year or two, And I think now he understands, all right. And kind of made a fairly mature decision, too, to come back. You know, instead of saying, you know what, maybe I can get a two-way. Let me throw my name out there. You know, instead of even going through that process of trying to get that extra year, because we didn't know. He didn't know. His dad didn't know. Nobody knew he was going to get it for sure. So he rolled the dice a little bit there instead of just saying, you know, I'm going to go play pro. Maybe it'll be overseas. Maybe I'll get a two-way for 500 grand, whatever it is maybe it'll be an exhibit 10 with nothing guaranteed whatever it is he decided to come back and uh i would have had him in the top 100 i would have had mckenzie in the top 100 but i understand here's the the question the question is there's a lot of mouths to feed with with that that those four guys in particular like you could you can envision a scenario where all five starters average in double figures average between like nine you know galloway probably good for like 8 to 10 i would think Mm-hmm. And the other four, all average between tel- 10 and 13, 14. Right. Yeah. Right? There it does not shock you.
2: No, I agree. I think that's what's interesting about this team is it does not have the one guy that you think will score 20 or close to 20. I mean, scoring 20 is rare in college basketball. I think people just throw that number out and they forget how little that actually happens. But I agree. I don't think there is that guy. There's no trace on this team. Even you know?
0: 17. Even if I said to you, listen, up. Uh, betting man are are you guys going to tell me anybody's going to average 17 points a game on this team right no i would take take the under
2: i would the only one i would say maybe north of 15 would be xavier because of how much he'll have the ball in his hand that's right you know agreed um but i but i agree all right so in the big 10 obviously we don't give a shit about everybody else so we don't look at everybody but you (laughs) do yeah uh, obviously, you've said our talent level, if it's top 10 in the country, it's got to be number one or two in the Big 10. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think this team lands? Because let's look, look, not everything is going to fall together and it's not all going to fall apart, most likely. So if things go in the middle, where can this team finish in the Big 10 conference?
0: Anywhere from three to six,
2: I would got say. It. Anywhere so, from three to six. You know, Purdue it,
0: and Michigan State. What they have is continuity and experience. And obviously Zach Eadie for Purdue is, is the best player in the country coming back. Michigan state's got experienced guards now, right? Experienced guards that have all played together. I mean, their whole team returns for the most part and they bring in three really good freshmen. Well, you know, a couple that are going to make an impact uh, uh, Xavier Booker probably going to be more of a a Khalil Ware type project. If I had to Mm -hmm. guess, Xavier Booker will have a season much like Khalil did last year in at, at mm. Oregon, if I had to guess. It's but, funny
2: because a lot of the knocks on Xavier Booker are similar to what you heard of the knocks on Khalil. Motor, how hard does he try, work ethic. And they look alike. like from a from a frame standpoint. They're both very tall, skinny, skilled guys.
0: Yep. Uh, the other part is I trust Izzo and, and Painter more than I trust Woodson. Just I do. As college coaches, I trust them more. Um, I know I know people would push back on Painter, I'm sure, because of the NCAA tournament. But, you know, the one thing I really respect from Painter is how he's handled that. Like, when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he legitimately said to us, he was like, he's like, listen, people could talk all they want about last year's team. Then, you know, we lost years ago to, to Little Rock, North Texas. He goes, I'm the one common denominator here. It's not Zach Eady, mm. right? He was, he was around for, for one or two of these. I'm the one guy who's been around for all of them. I need to change. I need to change. So, I, I and I know you yeah, guys. I thought, by
2: the way, that interview is worth going to look at on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. I thought it was great. I mean, he even used the word embarrassing. Yes. He's like, it was embarrassing to lose there. And and I know he's so conscious of not shitting on other teams. Yeah. but But he clearly is bothered by that. I am. Look, you did not pick them for the final four uh in in your prediction but many of your colleagues at the almanac did including one who i think picked him to win the national championship which is ridiculous this year you mean this year yes this coming year why i mean they i know they brought in miles colvin and you know they've changed a little bit but they're the same team that they were last year what makes you think i agree they'll have success in the big 10 they're built for that but what makes anyone think they will have real success in the ncaa tournament with the, the type of team that they are
0: the only way you'd say they will is if if uh, Braden Smith and and Lawyer are a year older and are, are, are bigger, stronger, able to make shots consistently. Lawyer was hurt. He didn't make them. Braden Smith wore down because he was the only dude who could handle the ball. Um, he's going to play Trey Kaufman, ran a ton this year at the four with Edie and sacrifice defense for offense. I don't know how it'll look. I'm with you yeah. guys. Listen, they're built for the Big Ten. Well, I think Indiana's kind of built for the Big Ten, too. Mm. A lot yeah, be- because of the
2: no perimeter shooting. Because Correct. of the left, right. Yes. Although I, I would say Indiana's man athletic man. Indiana's yeah. athletic ability is much better than Purdue's.
0: Yes, yes, 100%. 100%. What? But, again, how they're constructed, I worry about them. Like, like, I worry about Kansas a little bit, too, even though I picked them preseason number one or two, whatever, because they don't have enough shooting. Mm. But what I will say about Kansas is they're going to be MFers defensively. They're Got super it. athletic. Other than Hunter, everybody in their team can guard and they're athletes and they get after it and they have Bill Self.
2: Yeah,
1: that's fair. Well, and one thing when we talk about potentially being a, the third team in the Big Ten as opposed to the sixth is, and and I know they mentioned uh, in the article in the breakdown, you don't necessarily want Trey at the two. Um, but if it's not Gabe, it's, it's probably going to be Trey most of the time. Maybe CJ's in there some. But when you talk about experienced guards between Trey and, and Xavier, that's got to bode well for getting the best out of the team if you've got uh, one senior and one super senior out top.
0: Yeah, I, again, I think that's your backcourt. That's your backcourt. You're playing 30 minutes a game. I, I honestly think Trey should be out there, you know, as long as he's making shots. Right. As long as he's not a liability shooting ball, because then you can't have him if he's if he's shooting 23 percent from three, you can't have him out there because you're going to need shooting.
1: Right. Uh, They've pushed on him about the sample size from last year, but his progression through his time at IU is just such an upward trajectory. And part of that came with with changing his shot injury to his wrists. Um And so I don't know. I feel like the, and then the other thing we're hearing X has been pretty consistent from outside, but reports all summer is that McKenzie has been shooting the leather off the ball. So, you know, crimson colored glasses. We're optimistic. Those three guys can open it up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the key. And and if he can do that and also guard, can anybody guard a three like that? Well, we know
2: X can, we know X, X is a good defender.
0: But but you're not putting him on a three man is what I'm oh, saying. Oh,
2: I'm sorry. I thought you meant right. the three point so, shot. Like, who
0: out of those three bigs no Renew- it's do you, do you know think McKenzie has the foot speed? No, I don't. Not not a not a three as as we think of a three. Not, not yes. that maybe a the big truth 10 is a three.
2: <laughs> but the truth is that comes into play more in March than it does between November and then.
0: Aikens. I'll give you an example. Jaden Akins is a good example. Can yeah. McKenzie stay in front of Jaden? No, no, probably no. not. Probably no, but yes, yeah. you're in March. It's can you make shots? And then can these three more traditional fours and fives? And trust me, most people that were recruiting McKenzie are recruiting him as a, more of a four than a three, right? Got they it. just wore that's what he, he is. We can we can talk about, and again, like, like some guys who the heck was I just talking to? Some somebody I can't even remember recently, but it was. It was somebody trying to play him at the three. Oh, it was at Boston College, uh, kid Prince Alibe trying to play him at the three, and they're gonna try it, and it's just like, yeah, but like, are you fitting a, a square peg in a round hole there? Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, okay, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna fl- renew, Khalil and McKenzie are gonna split eighty minutes at the four and the five. They're gonna split eighty, and one of them's gonna yeah, one of them's not gonna be that happy. One of them's gonna get eighteen minutes a game. But it's better for us from a standpoint of how this team fits together on the court. We're going to sacrifice a little bit in overall talent, but we're going to get another shooter and a floor spacer out there and somebody that can guard a three.
2: Yeah, I think there is a whole other conversation to be had about why that won't happen. Because, look, agents are involved. NIL is involved. Transfers happened. They didn't transfer here to sit the bench. They didn't decommit from Duke and decide to come here instead of Kansas to come off the bench and play 18 minutes. And that impacts your ability to recruit the next guy that those agents are involved with, or those AAU programs are involved with. So I agree with you. I think that there's, there are more challenges right now to constructing a team than there ever have been because of that. So let's get to, because we don't have you for much longer. Let's get to recruiting. Let's talk about recruiting. Look, look, when the hire of Mike Woodson happened, you were critical. Many of us were – were we jumped in because we're crimson-colored glasses, as Ward said. But we were worried, too. Can this guy recruit? And then a couple of things did happen. One, I do think we underestimated Woody's aura a little bit. I, I think he's good in the room with people, and I don't think we knew that. And then NIL happened. And I think that has changed the game. Hey, you can flip them on their importance, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> listing them in importance. I wasn't listing them. But but NIL coupled with Kenya Hunter and Yasir Roseman being uniquely qualified to be really good assistants in that game. Um, I think you would probably argue he's done better than you thought he might have done. Maybe. I don't want to put words in your mouth. but let. But now we're in. There's a you know right happening right now while we're while we're recording this is Woody and his entire staff went and visited Boogie Fland this morning. And they're going down to Mount Verde to visit Liam McNeely and Derek Queen. What is your current thought on Indiana recruiting?
0: Momentum is everything. Momentum is everything. And uh, they can thank Trace Jackson Davis for all this momentum. All That's of amazing. it. All of it.
2: All of it. Not Jalen Hood Shafina.
0: If they don't keep trace last year, okay. none of this shit is happening. Mm. Period. Okay. It's not as cool. Trace made it cool. He did. He put them on the map most of the year last year. I know obviously they're disappointing in the NCAA tournament, but ultimately you're still there. You're still at a different level than you've been. It's cool again. And yes, I'll say this about all the the, the NBA coaches, and I criticized all of them. Yeah. But players. Coaches coming in. All of them. Mullen, Ewing, Woodson, Penny. Who else am I forgetting? Juwan.
2: Juan. Stackhouse. Mash, Yeah.
0: Stackhouse. All of these guys, right? It has changed the game with NIL. It has changed the game. If you can, if you have NIL and NBA on your resume for these kids, that is really what they care about more than anything else. So you don't have to work that hard anymore. You're not running out talking to high school kids on the phone every night anymore. It has all changed. That's how it was three, as recently as three years ago. Right. When Woody got hired, it was, my thought was, there's no way 63-year-old Mike Woodson is going to be sitting on the phone every night with these kids.
2: Or does, going to some gym in the middle of Ohio, you know, on a Tuesday night. Like, right. What does he do now?
0: Well, they got where? and, and basically through the portal for the most part right uh, I mean, yeah it's a quick, little out, quick recruitments but basically you know they got renew um you know be, because of of his buddy coming coming right that's sure. but, sure. but I think yes Woodson's very good uh with families no doubt but ultimately again guys like Penny I mean shoot Chris Mullen might have had a shot now if mm. he came along you know, six, seven years later, he might've had a shout out. St. John's doesn't have NIL. They do now. They, they do now. now. <laughs> yeah. With, with, with slick Rick. Absolutely. Right. But Indiana has got NIL now they're in the game. They're in the game now where they're gonna, they're fighting Kansas tooth and nail for McNeely and queen. Like who would have thought? I know. After, Kansas, you know, after like, getting Mac in a head to head matchup with Kansas. Right. Right. I, I just, again, everybody who's going to tell me all these NBA guys, you were wrong about, you know, Penny, if he starts to get it going, and Woody and some of these other guys, I'm, it's different now. It's just, it has totally changed in the last couple of years with NIL that you don't need, honestly, you don't need to have the same work ethic. Like, like you can get away, you can fight and beat Tom Izzo now because of NIL for a player. Like, mm. Tom Izzo outworks everybody, everybody. Um, still to this day, but but ultimately, if Tom Izzo doesn't have the NIL that Mike Woodson has, if he's not in the same ballpark, he's not going to beat Mike Woodson for a player. He would he would have beaten him three years ago for
1: the same right. player. Okay, we know we don't have you for much longer, but we can't let you go without
2: talking. I'm good. I can go ten more. Okay. okay well, let's um, can we stay on the recruiting for a second? Sure. Or- yeah I would love to hear Jeff have you seen McNeely Queen and Boogie Flan play have you seen anything that bunch, that McNeely a bunch
0: I saw Queen I didn't see him this summer cuz he was uh under armor circuit I didn't get over there So All I right. saw McNeely I love McNeely I mean I love him I. you know it's funny I don't know if he can be your number 1 guy I'm not sure that's what he
2: is um he's but, not his number he's not the number 1 guy on his high school team Right. Exactly. I mean, There's he's not one guy on that team. I mean, it's right. not, wasn't Cooper either last year. That's true. Cooper will be number one this year though.
0: Correct. Yes. That will be pretty clear.
2: Pretty clear.
0: <laughs> If not Kevin Boyle should be fired.
2: What do you like about McNeely?
0: Um, I just think he's that guy who does everything well. Like every, he can make shots from deep. He can put it on the floor. He plays hard. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's got good positional size, knows how to play high IQ. He's just that guy you throw in, and you're like, he's a winner. He's just a period. Throw him in with anybody he knows. He can play with anybody. That's the beauty of Liam McNeely is you put him out there. He's going to make any team better. He's going to make any teammate better. He may not blow you away. Like, I know he didn't – he had a good summer, not not as good a summer as I think some people thought. Uh, And then Queen, you know, I I talked to a, a coach the other day who's seen him a lot more than I have. And he said, like, his skill level now is just insane for a big. Insane. Um, Does he guard? Not great. Does he play hard all the time? No, not yet. But, you know, when I saw him two summers ago, I was like, all right, is this like the next Diamond Stone? Mm. You know, we're going to catch up to him, and he's so physically overpowering. But the word I've gotten is just, again, his skill level has, has improved so much, and he can handle it some. He can score with both hands um so yeah those two are and i think they don't they live together or something in in my bird
2: they're they're very close they're very close yeah oh uh and boogie flat i haven't seen enough to be okay any any temperature on who if you had to make a prediction where do you think liam and Derek go
0: i think liam goes to indiana i just you know again i don't have any inside info there right just reading the tea leaves, I, I think he, he ends up in Indiana. They've prioritized him for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Where Kansas, I, I don't know if he, he gets the same feeling, but Kansas, like, has to have him.
2: You know what I mean? Right. Like, with right. Indiana, it's like, we have to have you. I, I've said multiple times it's the most important recruitment in Mike Woodson's era so far.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, yeah. a, again, he could bring Derek Queen with him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would be huge too. Like if they like each other that much, well, there, there you got two cornerstone pieces and more momentum. And again, the next step is what do you do in the tournament, right? But the yeah, first sure. is just get there every year. Just get there every year. Be a player and be nationally relevant again. And Mike Woodson has done that. And, and that's what, you know, like even for my daughter, like, you know, going to school there, like just being locked in, all year instead of just like throwing in the towel three quarters of the way through, like, all right, you know, maybe we make the tournament, but you know, and, and again, we can go back to guys, Woody's first year, you know, the two years ago, the big 10 tournament, what a, that could have went either way. They totally. don't make the tournament, right? Yeah. Like those where it heads, but momentum thing, totally. they got that, they got traced back with a little bit of luck and man, did he do an unbelievable job with with, with Trace and then bringing in Jalen?
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, the big, big news in Hoosier Nation, also in Wildcat Nation, here over the last few days, has been IU in Kentucky. The series is back on. It's a little lopsided in the way the venues are going to play out. But what, what do you think it means to – to both programs, particularly IU, and college basketball overall to have this rivalry back on?
0: No, we got to have it. Like, all I'm an Arizona guy, and and now we lose this Arizona-UCLA rivalry because of of realignment. So we need big games. For this totally. sport to thrive, you know, I've said, like, look at this year, the first week of college basketball this year, because they pushed the Champions Classic back a week last year, and again, this year, I think, between ESPN and the coaches involved, they don't want to play it the first
2: week, so they're pushing it back. So the first week sucks. I, it's, I, I, I love that you're talking about this. It's the worst thing in college basketball. It's a why joke. is there not an opening day with big marquee games? College football does it. TV, TV,
0: TV, but the coaches as well, right? Coaches don't want to open on November sixth right. with a big boy game. They're scared. Make them do it. Here's what you do: you have something where the top you know, 15 programs. And again, you, you may not make somebody like uh, Hubert Davis do it this year, right? Like he, he, he obviously probably can't because he's got to win this year. He's under some pressure. But like a John Calipari, a Mike Woodson, a John Shire, a Scott Drew, a Bill Self, have them all. There's 15 programs and they all have to play one game every year that first week against somebody in that group. And you get a home game one year, you go on the road the next year, and you're just going to rotate. And again, if a guy's on the hot seat, he doesn't. He, he he maybe becomes absolved of it like that year if he doesn't want to play. Maybe, he,
2: but the sport's got to be bigger than one guy on the hot seat. I mean, right, like,
0: but I get it. If if he wants a mulligan, maybe he takes it.
2: Okay, but they could put together a few good games for two, opening day, opening week, two a night at seven and nine. Just give me one good
0: one on that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Give me a two. You, you don't have to go up Saturday, Sunday. I get it. They're football. They're football. You're not winning that battle. But even Monday, even Monday. Who cares? Okay, you got one football game. So stagger. Play it at a, at a little bit earlier time if you want to on that Monday to start college basketball. Follow it up. And Dan Gavitt and I have talked about this, right? Dan Gavitt wants the same thing. He's fighting for the same thing. But again, it's the coaches and and really the TV networks.
2: They're the ones holding it up. But the TV networks, I don't understand because the TV networks would salivate at the ratings and the advertising. And also, it is the only major sport in America where opening day or opening week is meaningless. It's the only one. NFL, big opening day.
0: I heard a little birdie told me the other day that the Gavit games might move to that first week.
2: Oh, I love that. That'd be great. Because you
0: could spread them all out. You could have them a whole week. And the Gavit games could own... The
2: first week of college basketball totally. uh, that that would be great so going back to what ward was talking about iu kentucky uh Sorry. any insight on how that got put back together and also is there any chance john calipari is the coach of kentucky when they play <laughs> at assembly <laughs> hall in i believe 2042
0: i say no i say no i mean you know it, it's so interesting you know I, I love this other than the fact that again uh, you don't get two games at Assembly Hall. You you get one at Lucas Oil, which is not really going to be a big home court advantage. It's just not. Because Kentucky fans will show just as much as Indiana fans to that game. That'll be a split. To me, that'll be a split, I would think. So that's not a home game. Uh, but I I feel like Woodson probably had no choice. Probably had no choice. At the end of the day, who's got the leverage? Right. It's, it's Kentucky right now. So uh, I love it um calipari is owed i believe after this year 33 million it goes down i don't know eight million a year the next few years something like that six million eight million a year uh i don't know you know i think this year it would take uh like a first round exit again for them to say all right we're ready at 33 million somebody somebody write the check somebody would i mean if they lose to a you know the last four years have been terrible in the tournament either either in the regular season or the tournament or both you know a couple years ago they obviously had a great regular season then lose to St. Peter's Uh, but it's it's I mean guy gets paid 10 million a year and he really hasn't delivered the last four years so they'll they'll have a decision to make their team listen they were very fortunate that um, Reeves who was taking classes at Illinois State they gave him documentation that he wouldn't be eligible anywhere else. I don't know if it's a hundred. I don't even know if the NCAA knew at that point, one way or the other, whether he was going to be eligible. I don't quite understand the whole rule, but whatever the case, they got him back. He didn't want to be there, and then they got Trey Mitchell because Bob Huggins got fired. If they don't get either of those, I'm telling you, I think I think John Calipari is not the coach of Kentucky next year. If mm, not wow. for some luck, because I think they could have been bad. Right. I think they, Bad. Well, no experience. You're not winning with all freshmen. It's proven. It so doesn't got re- happen. they are two key veterans who give them also perimeter shooting. So you wouldn't have had experience or perimeter shooting. Now you have both. It gives you a chance. So we'll see what they do.
1: Okay. Before we let you go, we got to talk about the women's team.
0: I can't go through this without talking about my favorite
2: Indiana team. So let's talk about it. How far can this team go after losing Grace Berger?
0: Uh, I mean, it's going to hurt. It, obviously that loss is going to hurt, but um, you know, McKenzie's one of the top five players in the country and she's like unstoppable in the post, unstoppable, both hands. Ridiculous, right? Like her, her moves, how quick she is uh, and defensively, how much better she got last year was, was awesome to see too. And I, I love her, you know, just being around her, talking to her, his, her, her, her enthusiasm, everything about her is just, it's a, really infectious um you know to me i think i think sarah scalia might be the most important player for this team this year you know she shot the heck out of it at minnesota uh last year you came off the bench half the time um I, I think she's got to kind of rediscover what she had at minnesota and taking another step Yarden has to follow this up and make sure the shooting wasn't fluky at all she'll probably i would think she'll have more you know, the ball in her hands more this year with, with grace gone and uh, Chloe was awesome last year. I mean, she took a huge jump too. So um, I, I love watching this team. They're fun. They move the ball. They play with enthusiasm. I've said it and and this will probably get me in trouble, but if you give me a chance to watch a, a an IU women's or a men's game, I'm choosing a women's game right now.
2: Their their style of play, and it's been like this for several years now under Terry Morin, they are so fun. Their spacing is amazing. The way they share the ball, nobody cares who scores. They play with such emotion. I, I would say the X factor, though, I hear you on Scalia, uh, but to me, Sydney Parrish has to become a star, yeah. and she has all the tools.
0: Yeah, like a sidekick.
2: So yes, Yeah. Yeah. But she needs to fill that grace role. She's bigger than grace. She's a better three point shooter than grace. Um, You know, she's got great, great just instincts for basketball. She looks for contact, which is not common in the women's game. She could, if she becomes a 15, 16 point a game scorer, which is well within her reach, this team could be really scary because they got four people on the court at any time that can shoot threes.
0: I'm I'm so upset uh, that I'm not seeing him in Perth. I'm going there. So I'm going to Arizona Duke on November 10th. It's Friday. And then uh, I'm going to Chicago from there for Champions Classic. The day before is, is Xavier Purdue on mm-hmm. that Sunday night. So I'm going to fly to Bloomington uh, Saturday, see uh, Talia Saturday night, um, Sunday. And the men's team plays like Army, I think, Sunday night. And uh, I'm just so bummed out that the women play Stanford that come out. Come out. We'll We're going to be there.
2: We're come doing on. a road trip. I can. I got to be, I got to be in. I get it. But how cool is that? We're going to Palo Alto to play. So cool. Awesome. So I, I'm, I got to
0: get out. I really, the game I want to see is obviously the Iowa game. If I can get out there for that game, that's the one I I, I want to see. Yeah, fall, the,
2: falling That's going to be intense.
0: I mean, I, I don't know if you guys dislike her, like her. I love watching her. I love it. Dislike,
2: loathe, loathe. Yeah, I mean, she she beat us, so I don't like her. And her swagger, the shit she talks, about. She's unbelievable. If uh, she was on my team, she'd be my favorite player in the history of basketball. I mean, come on. She's awesome. Awesome. She is. All right.
1: Are are the Hoosiers going to beat the Hawkeyes again for the Big Ten
0: championship, the real one? Yeah, I think they will. I do. I mean, again, as long as McKenzie stays healthy. Like, I think that's a huge thing here, too, is they got to protect her. Um, Our other our other big decision this year is so I always uh, we're never home for Thanksgiving. We I'm always covering something. Right. Well, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be home. Uh, I'm not going to be covering something for the men, I don't think, because I'm going to go Empire. I'm going to be in New York for that Empire class. Oh, nice. I'll see you there. And then we're debating what to do. My daughter wants to go to Fort Myers to cover the Tennessee game.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we're
0: trying to tell her like, all right, like you, you might have to pick into money wise here. You can't yeah. go every. So maybe, you know, save your money and and go to the, the NCAA tournament instead. Hopefully they'll go deeper this year.
2: Yeah. Let's hope. All oh, right. Man. You've been a Bloomington dad now for a little bit. Do you have a favorite restaurant?
0: Um. I'm still trying to find like my go-to place there. I've tried a ton of places, and I don't like. I don't have you. Know, by the way, now I have my favorite dessert. Which one? So, what's the name of the damn place? It is banana pudding. It's right. It's right in the square, in the main square. I think it's fairly new. I
2: got to find the name of it. Not it's, farm. Farm Bloomington. No, it's like a a walk-in dessert spot. Oh, I don't know the name of it. Little little place, right? You walk in and there's just that little counter. Holy shit. The the banana <laughs> thing.
0: I, listen, I'm a banana. When I go to Charleston, I'll literally have banana pudding like every night if I can All find right. Have you done Zagrebs? Did you do Zagrebs? Yeah, yeah I like Zagrebs a lot. Um, yeah. really good. We've we've been there a couple of times. I'm trying to think what else our go-to spot is.
2: Buffalo's.
0: Yeah, Buffalo's is great. Yeah. Uh, um uh what's the other one the good steak place right uh uptown Malibu 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 really Malibu. good really Malibu's good yeah Social Cantina I love love Yeah, Social, social
2: Cantina is good. Love it. Um it's a public. great town isn't it? You love it.
0: So good. So good. I mean, and I went to Arizona which was great, but Arizona was different in that it was a city. Tucson is more right. of a city. Totally. In a way, it's better to have Bloomington because you have – everything's concentrated. Everything's yes. – in Tucson, I could live, you know, a half an hour from a buddy of mine who'd live on the other side of town uh, in a different apartment. Like in Bloomington, everybody's within 10 minutes. Everybody.
1: Jeff, yeah. Jeff you've, the- you've been to every college campus there is. Bloomington's the best.
0: I'm trying to think what's better. I'm trying to think if there's a a place – I mean, again, the only thing I'd say, guys, is the weather. Like, if I – I I picked Arizona partially because of the weather, and it was a very smart decision.
2: I get that, but take the weather out. Like, look, we went to the Kansas game last year. You know, went to the Kansas game, and I was excited to be in Lawrence, and I had a great time. It was a blast. Lawrence isn't better than Bloomington.
0: No, but – Alan – Alan's a little bit better than
2: I mean that crushes me it was amazing to be there it was amazing to be there it's a cool place I will not denigrate
0: Alan and Cameron are one a and one b then there's a little bit of a gap to the next group whatever you want to put whether it's assembly Mackie gonzaga the kennel there's there's another group of probably five places that are fighting for those three spots
2: i I do not accept the duke argument it's too small it's just bullshit and it's packed
0: full of assholes you know (laughs) what it is here it's selfish okay part of it is selfish our seats my seat is like center court mid you know like like first Uh row center court at indiana i'm way the hell up there
2: yeah they gotta put (laughs) you
0: up it's about me <laughs> I'll, I'll, and so right. when the rain out yes, they're they're selfish to to where where my seats are,
2: I love it, all right, Jeff. we love um you coming back on. love your insight on Indiana and all things, college basketball. We'll get you gone again during the season and see how this thing plays out. Love what your daughter's doing, covering not just women's basketball, but covering a lot of different stuff in Indiana. She's part of the Peagues family, working with Jeff Rabjohns and the team. She's doing an incredible job and really bringing some coverage to that women's program that it rightfully deserves, because it is one of the best programs in the country.
0: Love having her there. Love having her there. Love everything she's done there and and all the people who have helped out, yourself, you guys included. Uh, as i told you before listen at this point in my life it is and i think you guys have probably seen this with me on social media it is all about my daughter period
2: yeah well it's uh it's commendable uh thanks again jeff and we'll talk to you soon take care guys that was a guest that was a guest it's funny how he jeff has gone from villain to like ultimate villain to now sporting the gear <laughs> loves Bloomington. So many great places. Mike Woodson's doing great top 10 talent in the country. Like, it's just, I agree with him about his, his critique. Like, is this team going to be able to consistently shoot from the outside? I, I think that's fair, but you had to love everything else he had to say about Indiana.
1: Yeah. It, it has been a fun journey. You know, you like to bring in those, those national guys into the fold and and honestly optics recruiting on a national level to have jeff goodman wearing an indiana shirt it's just not a bad thing um and and i think his point about nil and how that's really changed the game since his first critical days of woody but as far as his assessment of the team and i think this goes to the almanac and i know he didn't write the breakdown on iu but it really is a team with talent But a lot of that talent is new. Um, Some of that talent has only had uh, uh, an off-season to develop since, you know, last year and limited playing time. And while that talent is undeniable on paper, you know, whether it's a freshman like McKenzie can come in and perform right away at a high level like Jalen did, whether somebody like Khalil. And I I think it's promising that he and his mom – recognized hey we need another year in college and we need to go to the coach who is calling us out for the work ethic and the laziness that that Oregon heaped upon him and people said was a knock against him like running into that fire instead of away from it but how's it all going to come together and you know i i think we'll all probably have our hair on fire early on in the season if games don't go as well as we expected but Hopefully, we'll see whether it was last year after that rash of injuries and a bunch of losses in the Big Ten, and we turned it around, or the Big Ten tournament the year before. Hopefully, all this talent really gets into a groove together late February and into March.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. This is a team that honestly shouldn't look good at the beginning because of how many different moving parts there are. Malik's got a much different role on the team this year. Khalil's got to fit in. McKenzie's a freshman, never played at this level. Xavier's coming back from injury and now the captain. Trey's going to be counted on to score and not just be kind of a a glue guy. Everybody, Caleb Banks and CJ Gunn are going to be relied upon. Everybody's got a new role for one reason or another. Here is the last quote from the Almanac in the write up Rob Dowster's write up of Indiana. If it all comes together, there is a top 15 team here that can be a matchup nightmare in March. But that's a big if. And the flip side is that there's a real concern that the bottom can fall out. Going 500 in the Big Ten and drawing a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament seems like a pretty realistic outcome. You know, I think we're all hoping for better than that. I mean, I think a 500 season in the Big Ten this year—we're really—it's top-heavy with Michigan State and Purdue, and then nobody else is that good. No, I think we've got to be better than 500. We got to be significantly better than 500. I think 12 and eight should be the floor. Honestly, yeah,
1: the, the only team they put ahead of us. Uh, besides Michigan State and Purdue was Illinois. And then, you know, they had Maryland at our line as a seed and then ohio state and and maybe one other team where where do I have it? Yeah um oh wisconsin both kind of like behind us so that's where that that three to six range comes but with the talent level we have and look we we have seen in the first two two seasons woody doesn't let this team you know fall apart in the home stretch obviously we want better results in the actual tournament incrementally better this last year hopefully we make it to that second weekend with all these pieces coming together senior leadership at the guard position and look X has a lot to prove in that regard. He he is a captain. He's coming back for his 14th year. And, you know, he's got to prove all the doubters and haters about his maturity wrong, step up and get it done alongside Trey. And then as far as guard play goes, I think by February, March, Gabe Cup's already, I think, well ahead of where most freshman guards are in terms of just understanding the game, how to get everybody involved. Sure. But you know, by that time, do we really have three guys who can be running the floor for us when so... And and in terms of the matchup nightmare, I thought his point was interesting of, like, we have those three bigs that could work really well in the Big Ten, but by the time we get to the tournament, do you know who your, your two are against the given team and who your three guys are outside of that spreading the floor because that's how you're going to have to play to get deeper into the field of 68.
2: Yeah. And so much of that comes down to luck. Who do we play? Who do we draw? You know, like, are we playing a team that plays four out? Like then, then McKenzie at the three is going to be difficult. We think, you know, we haven't seen anything yet, but it, it, I think he used the word intriguing that this year is intriguing because there is a ton of talent and look, Mike Woodson has coached in the NBA where it's about bringing all of these different talented parts together and making a good team. And he did it in New York and he did it in Atlanta and he's gotten us to a different level than we have been the prior four or five years at Indiana. So this to me is the biggest test for Mike Woodson and his tenure at Indiana this year, as far as coaching, because we don't have the top tier talent that you can rely on you know trace was a guy who was going to go 20 and 10 we had a good feeling that jalen was was well beyond his years this is a different team with wider group of talent but maybe not the pinnacle of talent that we had last year and uh a lot of ways this team can go so let's see what happens we're weeks away we're weeks away
1: yeah yeah it's it's starting to feel real because i just i can't I can't really like lie awake at night dreaming about, you know, the game when it's it's July, August. We're not even a football yet, but we're well into football now. And now it's like, oh, it's October. There's going to be some Hoosier hysteria. We're going to have Gucci Maine up in there like it is. It is getting really exciting.
2: You also got to love Jeff Goodman starting with just the drive by Walt Bell shot at the top <laughs> of it. I mean, just awful. When, when Jeff Goodman is starting the podcast with just shitting all over Walt, the Walt bell era at Indiana. I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? We didn't yep. ask him to do the thing, but I gotta be honest with you. I don't think he's earned it yet. Oh yeah. That's why you didn't ask. him. Right? Yeah. That was a choice. Sure. Follow us on Twitter at who's your hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No, I. But the sometimes why? No, who's that? <laughs> Would that be a Dublin Scottish accent? Yes, that's. It's like an
1: unlike anything you've ever heard before. You know what that was? What?
2: Sean? That was Sean Connery a little bit. No, it felt a little Proxima B. Oh, but the sometimes why? Yeah, it sounded very similar to that. All right, we'll do it next week. See you, buddy.
1: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics! Hoosier Hysterics!